with the story. In honor of Pastor. I'm going to start with the story. Amen. Amen. It's a story about three sons. Three sons. They're, they're, uh, their mother was having a 90th birthday. She was turning 90, and they wanted to get her a present. And they all wanted to outdo each other in their presents, right? So, so the first son, he says, hey, listen, I had a custom house built. These guys were pretty, pretty well off. I got a custom house built for mom. Look, it's got everything she needs. She's got all the rooms she needs, and she'll never owe a mortgage or have to pay rent. That's great. That's a good gift, yeah? Yeah? The second son said, listen, I, had, I got her a new Mercedes and a driver who can take her wherever she needs to go. That's pretty good, right? All right, and then the third son says, listen, I got you all beat. I got her, you, well, you know how mom enjoys the Bible, right? But she can't see too well. So I got her a talking parrot that can recite the entire Bible. That's pretty crazy. He says, it took, it took 20 monks, 12 years, to teach this parrot how to recite the Bible. I had to pledge $100,000 for 10 years to the ministry to get this parrot. But it was so worth it because all she has to do is name a chapter and verse and that parrot's going to recite it. Isn't that amazing? Would you want a parrot like that? That's pretty cool. I mean, we kind of have it in your pocket. Hey, Siri, what's the... But he had this parrot, right? Okay, so a little, little while goes by and a mom, she's enjoyed the gifts and, and she starts writing her thank you notes, right? So she goes... Milton, the house you built is too big. I live in only one room, but I have to clean the whole thing. <laughs> All right, so she writes the second son. Marvin, I'm too old to travel. I stay home all the time, and your driver is so rude. Why do you think mom's an ungrateful, whatever? And the third son, she goes, dearest Melvin, you were the only one to have some good sense to know what your mother likes. That chicken was delicious. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hey. <laughs> she was blind, too. She didn't understand. She couldn't read the instructions. So how many of you like to give gifts? How many of you like to receive gifts? Well, I think some of you are lying because I saw more hands on the giving than on the receiving, right? Let's try it again. How many of you like to give? All right, God bless you. How many like to receive? Okay, you know, that's encouraging. This is, this is a good mix. That's a good mix. This might be a short day today. Great. So how many of you know that when God blesses you, it's not just for you? You know that? All right. So those of you who don't know that, no judgment, right? There's, there's, a, there's a thing that... Most of you, by your amens, have, have kind of recognized that uh, there's, there's a gift in giving, right? I want to talk to you today. Uh, the title of this message is uh, Give It All Away. Shout out to the Chili Peppers. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. All right, if you stand with me, we're going to read in, uh, in Mark chapter 10. If you stand for the reading of the word, Mark chapter 10. And I'm going to try to get through this reading without making too many comments. No promises, but I'll try. 
Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17. Okay. It says, As Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. He knelt down and he asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But, to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Don't cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. And teacher, the man replies, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And looking at the man, Jesus felt a genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done. He said, go and sell all your possessions. Give your money to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad. Why? Because he had a lot of stuff. That's why. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, we're reading in Mark, Luke says, Jesus said this right to the man. But Jesus said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Father, that you would speak to us today. Father, that you would open our hearts to receive what you want to say to us. That you'd open our ears and our minds that we can understand the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So let me recap this in case you missed it. There's a guy that comes to see Jesus, and we know that he's young, we know that he's rich. He's rich and young, and he comes to Jesus, and he throws himself at Jesus' feet. And he says, teacher, what do I have to do to get in eternal life? Right? And then Jesus rattles off a bunch of commandments. As any, any devout Jew would have known these commandments, and this, this young man was a devout Jew, he knew them, and he did them since he was young. And he says, Jesus, I've done all that. He's probably feeling good about himself, right? He's like, hey, you just said a bunch of things. Check, 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 check. I'm good. And Jesus looks at him. And I want you to catch that part in there. When Jesus looked at him, in Matthew it says he loved him. And Mark says he had a genuine love. He looked at this man who had been obedient to the commandments, what God had been telling him to do for his whole life, and he loved him. But he said, you're missing something. Now, Jesus knew that he obeyed the commandments. Jesus knows everything, right? Jesus also knew that he had a lot of stuff at home. And Jesus looked at him in a way that no one else can look at somebody. When Jesus looks at him, it's like he looks at us. He looks through our eyes and looks at our soul, and he sees right to the heart. And he says, it's not about obeying the commandments for this guy. And maybe that's your situation, I don't know. But for this guy, there was more to it. He said, okay, take all your stuff and go sell it. And then give your money to the poor and come follow me. Now, I don't know how many of you, how, how would you react to that? You come up to Jesus, you say, what do I do? Tell me what to do, I'll do anything. And he says, all right, sell your stuff and give your money away. A lot of times we read the scripture and we get judgmental, right? We look at this guy and go, what an idiot. How come he didn't just do what Jesus said? I look at it and go, how come he didn't ask Jesus, are you serious? Like, you're joking, right? I mean, is there something else besides, like half my stuff maybe? You know, all? Jesus wanted him to sell all his stuff. And so the guy couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. 
because he had a lot of stuff. But you know what? It's not about having a lot of stuff. It's about how tightly you hold on to the stuff that you do have. Today I'm talking to you about giving it away. And we're going to hit, and I apologize, but I don't apologize, so sorry, not sorry, but there's going to be a, a bunch of scripture verses, so you may want to write some stuff down. We're going to go through it somewhat quickly. But I, I want to show you what the scripture says about having a generous heart. Because it's not about being rich. It's not about having a lot of stuff. It's not about having a lot of money. It's about what do you have and how tightly are you holding on to it. Because God will give us stuff. God will give us everything that we need. But when you receive it, you need to also be ready to give it away. It's about the heart that we're talking about here, right? There's a story, there's a story about a pastor who had a farmer friend. And he said to his farmer, he says, hey, uh, if you had 100 horses, would you give me 50? The farmer says, well, sure, pastor, I'd give you. If I had 100 horses, I'd give you 50 of them. <laughs> the pastor goes, okay, great. He says, uh, if you had 100 cows, would you, would you give me 50 of those cows? The guy goes, sure, pastor, you know if I, if I had 100 cows, I'd give you 50 of them. And the pastor goes, okay, then, uh, if you had two pigs, would you give me one of them? Pastor goes, oh, pastor, uh, farmer goes, pastor, come on now. You know I got two pigs. <laughs> See, giving stuff away is, sounds great until you actually have to do it, right? So if you imagine I had a million dollars and you asked me to give you half, sure, I'll give you half. But if I actually had $2 in my pocket and I want to go get some, some pinchos or something and you want $1? I don't know about that. You gotta not so sure now. You gotta ask somebody else. I only got two bucks, right? Because it's so it, abstractly, it's okay. But when God says, "Okay, now let's see, see if you're really gonna give it away," that's when it matters. Because it's a heart issue. It's a heart. Oops. So and listen, I want to make a promise to you at the beginning of this of this message. I'm not going to at the end ask you to give money to the church. Okay, so if you're watching, don't click away. That's not where this is going. This is not about giving money to the church. We don't need your money, okay? I mean, the church does, but I'm not going there today, all right? I'm, I'm asking you to turn the light on in your heart. I'm asking God to turn the light on in your heart and see, is there anything in you that you are holding too tightly onto? And that could be stuff. It could be grace. It could be forgiveness. It could be kindness. It could be whatever. There's something you're holding on to that you, you, you ran and you came to the altar and you said, Jesus, Jesus, I'll do anything for you. And he's asked you to give this thing up. And you say, oh, I don't know about that. I'm asking you to find out what that thing is for you today. Amen? So stick with me. Stick with me. I'm telling you, God's people should be generous. Amen? If you can say amen, you know you've, you've unlocked, you've experienced one of the secrets of the kingdom. One of the secrets of God's kingdom is giving away. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Right? It's a, it's a law that's more true than gravity. The, the generous, they, they have more than what they need. They, they have more joy. While the stingy never seem to have enough. Right? Is that true? Have you seen that in your life? Let me, let me hit a couple scriptures that kind of tell you why this is. Again, it's not just because coincidence. It's because that's the way God has designed it. 
God has designed us to be generous, to give stuff away, whatever you have. Not just for you, give it away. Let's look at a couple quick scriptures. Let's look at Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. It says, give freely and become well, more wealthy. Ooh, that sounds good, right? Can we just say the last part? Be more wealthy? No, you've got to give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That's the word of God. That's why it's true. That's why you see it playing out in people's lives. Let's look at Proverbs 19.17. Lending to the Lord. For, for whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. So when you're nice to somebody, when you're kind to the poor, you're giving a loan to God. You ever think of that? You're like loaning God something, and God pays back his debts. He does. And that's not why we give to the poor, but I'm just telling you, Scripture says when you're kind to the poor, you're loaning to the Lord, and he's going to pay you back. Let's look at Luke 6.38. pastor preached last week on 6.37, talk about don't judge. Right? Then he gets into forgive, and you'll be forgiven. But 6.38 says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it'll be measured to you. Give and it'll come back to you. Not just coming back to you, but push down so you can fit more in. Shake it up, and then it flows over in your lap. That's what happens when you give. In Acts 20, verse 35, it says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, this is Paul talking to the Ephesians as he's ready to leave. He said, I showed you that, that through the kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself that said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, Paul's saying Jesus said that. You won't find that explicitly in Scripture anywhere that where, where Jesus said that. But it was taught in his life. It was demonstrated in his ministry. And Paul remembered that from what Jesus imparted to his disciples, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's happier. You're happier when you give than when you receive. And we all like to receive, but it's better to give. See, generosity is the goal. Right? The goal is generous. We want to be generous. We want to be you know, generous like when you go to the, to the, the restaurant and they give you a generous portion of french fries. Or, or, or you know, something you really, really like. They just, just pour it on you. You just want more and more and more. That's how we should be with every part. And I'm telling you that you can be. If you're sitting here this morning and you think, well, I don't have a lot to be generous with, I'm telling you, you're wrong. You do have something you can be generous with. And God wants you to be. And I'll tell you a secret. God wants something. He's going to have it. God wants you to be generous. He's going to help you be generous. Amen. But it's a heart condition. Because a generous heart will give whatever it has. Whatever you have. If you have money, you'll give money. If you have kindness, you'll give kindness. If you have time, you'll give time. Some of us are stingy with our time, right? We'll only give so much to somebody. If you have a car, you can give somebody a ride. If you have encouraging words, you can say something nice. Be generous with your, kind, your, your encouraging words. I thank God a lot of you are generous with your cooking, right? And those of us who like to eat, which is all of us, right? We, we, we are grateful for those of you who are generous, you love to cook. Some of us are generous in relationships. 
You just give, give, give of yourself and relationships. That's all falls under this thing, this heart of generosity. And this is what God wants us to do. My cousin wrote a book. My cousin by marriage wrote a book. And I'm going to give him a shout out because this book, I highly recommend it. It's called What the Church Can Be. Matthew Cruz, you'll probably never watch this, but I'm, I'm plugging your book. What the Church Can Be. He has a chapter in here on generosity. And he talks about there's, there's two types of people when it comes to things that we have in our, in our grasp, right? There's spenders and savers, spenders and savers. And he makes the point that they're not really opposites. They're actually two sides of the same coin. They're, because they're, they're all about, they're both about what can I, how can I use this for myself? There's just different timetables. The spender does it now, the saver will do it later, Right? There's another side, the other side that God wants us to do is to give stuff away. Amen? So, savers, sorry. There's a story about a guy, right, who, uh, who was a little bit of a saver. He would take every paycheck, he would take $20, and he put it under his mattress. And he, helped, he became sick, and he tells his wife, he's like, hey, honey, when I die, I want you to take all that money and put it in my casket with me. <laughs> just, just stay with me. Just put the money in the casket with me so I can take it with me to the grave. Well, he, he dies. And the wife, wanting to honor her, her husband's last wish, she just took all that money and she put it in the bank and she wrote a check and she put the check in the casket for him. <laughs> so everybody's happy, right? <laughs> everybody's happy. <laughs> You can't take this stuff with you, right? you you got to remember, when you realize that the stuff on earth is no good anywhere but earth, it kind of changes your perspective on some things, right? You can't store up, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. No, he who dies with the most toys still dies. He's dead, and, and whoever's left takes your toys and does whatever they want to do with them. You can't take it with you. Matthew 6 19 and 21, it says this, says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths, and eat and, uh, moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart is. The desires of your heart will also be. Where's your treasure? Are we storing up treasure on earth? I'm not saying it's bad to have things. I'm not. In fact, the more things you have, the more generous you can be. All right? And the more generous you are, the more you're going to get. This is the way God works. He sees that you are generous in your heart, and when he trusts you with something, and you're able to give that away and bless somebody else, he's like, hey, I got a good one. Let me give him some more stuff. And then people get blessed through you. It's not bad to have things. What's bad is, where is your treasure? Are you, is your trust and treasure in those things, or is it somewhere else? There's a missionary, Jim Elliott, said that he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's no fool to give up what you can't keep anyway to gain something you can't lose. All right, so listen, if you're not convinced that you need to be generous, let me rattle off a couple things for you, okay? If you're not there yet, some of you might be struggling. 
Okay, why be generous? Number one, because we are children of God, and our Father is generous. Is He not? Our God is so generous. Look, you read the book. You do read the Bible, right? Okay, so when you read the Bible, you will notice from cover to cover, it's all about giving. He's giving from the beginning all the way through the end, everywhere in between. What's the most famous verse that everybody knows and holds up at games? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he, that he gave. He gave his son. And after that, you know, then he gave us the Holy Spirit after that. And then he's given us everything we need to survive in this life, right? God is giving. God is giving. And so we should be giving. We should be generous. We are never more like God than when we are generous. You want to be like God? Be generous. Give stuff away. Why should you be generous? Because it's one of the greatest expressions of love. This is how do, how, Jesus said, how will they know? How will the world know that you're my disciples? By the way, you love each other. Well, giving is a natural expression of love, isn't it? When you love somebody, don't you want to give them something? You want to you just, hey, what can I do for you? What can I, I give you my time. I give you my energy. I give you my, my money. What do you need? Just take it. It's yours because I love you, right? It fulfills the greatest commandment. Or the second greatest. The first one, love God with all your heart. The second, love your neighbor as yourself. This is what generous generosity does, right? Because you're you're giving to someone else's needs. First John three seventeen says this. It says if if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? That's a slap in the face right there. If you see somebody in need, you have the ability to meet it, and you have no pity on them, how can you say that you love God? Now, I pray that none of us would find ourselves in that situation. You know, if we, if we somebody see someone in need, we'll do what we can, because that's what God wants us to do, right? But because it's the way that we love people, it's been said that you can, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Amen. So we should be generous also because it, it demonstrates our trust in the Lord, right? In God, our provider. Sometimes we have things and we think, well, I can't give it away because I need it. But we have a God who gives us everything we need. And he's asking us to give this to somebody else. He's shown us some reason. He's moving in our heart that we have to give something and, and we don't. Then we're being disobedient and we're not trusting the Lord to provide that he's going to take care of us. Let me remind you, you, you all know the story of the feeding of the 5,000, right? Right? This is one of the greatest miracles of ever, ever, all time. So there's the 5,000 and they're, they're, everybody's hungry. They've been out there a long time and, and Jesus is grieving the loss of John the Baptist and, and it's a long day everybody's hungry. And, Jesus, and then they're like, where are we going to feed these people? And Jesus, you know, he's telling the disciples to feed the people. All they have is one boy with a lunch. You know the story. They take the lunch, they give thanks, everybody eats. But don't miss at the end of that. Once everybody else has eaten, once they've ministered and served to everybody else, they collected 12 basketfuls of leftovers. 
How many disciples were there? Wow. So Jesus asks them to serve others out of something, give something you don't even have. They were confused for a minute, but then they did it. And then in the end, they had what they needed also. That's the way God works. That's the way God works. You look at what, whatever's in your basket, and you say, well, God, I don't know how in the world am I going to... And he says, just do it. And you give thanks, and you give, and then you look in your basket, and you're like, where did that come from? What, how did, I don't understand, God. That's the way he does it. That's the way he does it. When we trust in him, we, we, our giving shows our trust in him. And we also know that everything we have comes from him anyway, right? I mean, thank you, Erica, this morning. You're talking about how even the, the energy or the, the ability to be here and worship and, and the, you know, we, we get in this attitude like, well, I earned my check. I, earned, I did this job. I deserve it, right? Well, okay, who gave you your mind? Who woke you up this morning? Who keeps you healthy so you can keep going to work? Who, who gives you the, the relationships and the boss that doesn't fire you when you're stupid, right? God has given these things to us, so never forget, never forget that everything we have comes from him in the first place. So we need to be, be generous. Let me check in the time. We're going through. Okay, we're moving okay, right? Let's, uh, I want to I hit a couple quick do's and don'ts about giving, right? So I think, I hope that we're convinced now that we need to be, be generous. Am I right? Okay, nobody's still doubting that. If you are, see me after and we can pray for you. I'm just saying, you know, you got to get this. You got to understand. It's a key to the kingdom. Okay, so now that we know we have to do it, let's talk about maybe some, some quick do's and don'ts because there's a right way to give and there's a wrong way to give, believe it or not, just like everything else. All right, so let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 9. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So what you should do, you do as you want to have done to you. Next verse 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what do you do? You give what you decide to give. It's up to you. You decide. It's between you and God. Don't give under compulsion. You do give cheerfully. When you, whatever you give to somebody or give to the church or give, when you're giving, it should be joyful. Don't say, okay, take my last dollar. Come on, nobody wants your last dollar. You keep it. Right? I, want, I want the joy, right? So give cheerfully. Don't give reluctantly. Don't give out of pressure. Whenever, if you're ever in this church and we ask for an offering, don't ever feel like you have to give. Never, ever feel that way. That's not the kind of givers that we, we are, right? And we don't ever want to make you feel that way, right? You give because out of your heart you want to give. You decide it's between you and God, right? Okay, in verse 8, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Note, notice that, the reward. When you give joyfully, you give the right way. God will give you all things that you need so that you continue in every good work. See, this is like a cycle, right? You, you get, you give, you do good. It's like, hey, this is life. I love this thing, right? It's great. 
As it is written, this is verse 9, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. So there's a reward and there's a why that we do it. Okay, Matthew 6, verse 2 in 2 to 4. Matthew 6, 2 to 4 says, So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, so that they can be honored by others. For truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So don't make a big deal out of your giving. Don't say, oh, here's my check. I'm putting my check in the offering today. Oh, look what I just gave for the homeless. Don't do that. Don't announce it with trumpets. Nobody needs to know, right? Don't do it to impress others. Nobody loves a boastful giver, right? Verse 3 says, But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What does that mean? So how many of you are married? How many of you have, have bought something without your significant other knowing? Yeah? How many of you got in trouble for that? <laughs> All right, I'm telling you, this, the Scripture is telling us that if Lee decides that she wants to bless somebody with something, she doesn't have to tell me about it. And if I want to do it, sorry, hon, I don't have to tell you about it. But that's okay, because the Scripture says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We just, I mean, using wisdom, trusting God, I'm not going to go give away everything and so there's no food on the table unless God asks. Well, now, now I'm getting myself in trouble. Okay. <laughs> so verse 4, so that your giving may be in secret, and then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. So, so do, do it secretly. And now is one day I was going to preach a sermon series on the secret life of a Christian. Do, 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 do. You know, this is in Matthew 6 talks about the three, you know, Giving, fasting, and praying. There's secret things. There's secret lives. That the Christ, the secret things the Christian does. Maybe someday. Or maybe one of you can take that and do much better than I can do any day. So do it secretly unto the Lord. Luke 14, 12 to 14. It says, Then he turned to his host and said, When you put on a luncheon or banquet, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and, neighbor, and rich neighbors for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. So don't do it expecting something in return. We give, we know God blesses those who give, but we don't give to get a blessing. We know it's coming. We know God's taking care of us. We give just because God's asked us to be generous, right? That's why we do it. Verse 13, instead invite the poor the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. So do give to people who can't even give you back. Be generous to people who will never have a chance to do anything back for you. How many of you have done that before? How many of you have felt the, the peace and the joy of God when you do that? You feel like you're just, you're just making a difference in the world? You're like bringing God's kingdom right here on earth? That's, that's what we should be doing. 
And there's a reward in that. Psalm 49, 6 and 7, this is the last one. Um, it says, they trust, they trust in their wealth and boast of great riches, yet they cannot redeem themselves from death by paying a ransom to God. So don't give. We never give. We don't give with any expectation that we're going to earn favor in God's eyes. You can't buy salvation. You can't, give, you can't be generous enough to the point where God loves you more than the next guy. You give because you give. He's gracious and generous because he is. Right? He loves us no matter, I mean, from the beginning he loved us. He doesn't love us more the more stuff we give away. So we, we, that's not why we do it. We don't do it because we're going to get more favor from God or get salvation. Because earthly currency is no good in heaven. No good. No good up there. All right, moving on. So those are some quick do's and don'ts, right? Now, I made a promise to you. I am not going to ask for money. I'm going to keep that promise. But I cannot talk about giving without touching on tithes and offering. You can, you can hate me later, but I'm just telling you, giving is so much more than that. That's a piece of it, tithes and offering. It's, it's a heart kind of thing that I want you to get first, right? There's a heart that we need to have just to being generous, recognizing everything that we have came from God, recognizing that there is, there's, a, there's a secret to the kingdom that the more we give, the more generous we are, the more it just kind of, it, it just helps us in the end, but also it brings the kingdom of God on earth. But we have to talk about tithes and offering. And I think there's a, because I don't know if some of you are, are new and never understood what the Bible has to say about it. So we're going to talk about that. Let me tell you first my struggle with it. I'll tell you that I've always been faithful to tithe, but I haven't always, well, I have had, had, have had some questions in my years, right? And I remember um, when Pastor Abe was around, I just asked him, I said, why do we have to give 10%? Why is the tithe 10%? Why can't it be like whatever you want? Right? And he looked at me like I had three heads. And he was so gracious with me. He was so gracious. I don't even remember what he said, but it wasn't long after that where I just felt like a complete idiot. Uh, but I also had struggles of why do I have to go to church every day, every Sunday? Right? And Lee doesn't remember this, but in college, we went to college together, and uh, there was just a Sunday where I'm like, I, I don't want to go to church today. Why do we have to go to church every day, every Sunday? And she's like, what do you, what do you mean? Why, why are you even asking that question? I've never had anybody ask me that question. <laughs> she goes, but, but I don't know. I don't have an answer for you, but you better figure it out because you're studying youth ministry, so you've got to figure this thing out. <laughs> I was like, all right, you're right, you're right. I've got to figure that out. But that's just something we do. You know, I've, I've since learned, by the way, coming to church is... <laughs> It's, it's the fellowship. I love seeing you guys. I love being here and worshiping with you guys. There's an energy. There's, a, there's an encouragement that we get when we hear. There's, I mean, there's, as a single ember, you can burn on your own, but when you come together, there's a flame that happens, right? And so that's not what we're talking about, but that's exciting to me. Tithing. <laughs> tithing. Did you know the word tithe actually means tenth? That's why I felt like an idiot. Tithe means tenth. 
So, and for those of you who are not very good at math, a tenth is also 10%. 10%, one-tenth is 10 of 100. It's the same thing, right? So that's why a tithe is 10%. And, and God commanded that. So why did he command it? Why did he command it in the first place? Right, so if you go back, we're not going to go into scriptures in, in the Old Testament. I'll just tell you real quick, right? So the 12 tribes of Israel, there were, there were some of them that were set aside just to do the work of the Lord's house. The priests and the Levites. God said, all right, you other tribes, you go do, you fight the wars, you be the warriors, you do, you do the blacksmiths, you farm the land, but these are my people. You're all my people, but these are my special people. They take care of my house. They do the sacrifices. They prepare the bread. They do the, the, sac- the ceremonies. They, they do the things so that, so that I don't pour out my wrath on you. And they don't have any other job. This is their whole job. They have families. They're human. They need to eat. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have the rest of you bring the first fruit of whatever you make. You bring that to the house of the Lord so that they can have stuff, so that they can eat, so that they can survive, so that they don't have lack of anything. That's why he instituted it. So that the people who are committed to the work of the Lord can survive and don't have to go get a second job. Right? So what does it have to do with us today? Well, if you're having a hard time making that connection. Our, how many of you appreciate our pastor? Right? Shout out to Pastor Vince. I would tell you firsthand the difference between being full-time and being uh, part-time or bivocational, as we say. I had the privilege of, of doing full-time ministry one year. Uh, that was when the church first started. I was, I was full-time youth ministry. Youth, youth pastor, and then because somebody had given money for that, so it carried us through, and then the money ran out, and I had to go get another job, and then since then, I have been doing bivocational ministry. Everybody else in this church is volunteer. That includes you. You're volunteer, but our pastor is full-time, and if we want him to continue full-time, we have to make sure he doesn't have a need to go get a second job. This is why God instituted the tithe, right? So we contribute. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the scripture because, and pastor will never preach on this because it's awkward for a pastor to preach on this, but look at 1 Timothy 5, 17 to 18. I was going to just read it, but you need to know that it's actually in there. I'm not making this up. It says that elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well. The Bible says that. They should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. You know anybody like that? Okay. Verse 18, for the scripture says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. What does that mean? If we're expecting pastor to do the work of the ministry, we're expecting him to serve and be our pastor, we can't make it difficult for him to do the work. If he's worried about how he's going to put food on his table, he's not going to be able to worry so much about how, how are you going to get your needs met? How is the church going to grow? And whatever else happens to come our way, if the next pandemic, right? God forbid. 
but scripture says they, they, should, be, they should be taken care of. Um, that's where the tithes go. Also goes to uh, pay the bills, right? This church is a nonprofit. We're not selling anything, making money, so how do we pay the bills? Well, it's from your contributions. And I just want to pause and say thank you for all of you who have donated through the years and still do to this to the ministry because it wouldn't happen if folks weren't giving of their of their money actually finances so there's um quick story there was a pastor who stood in front of his congregation he said i have bad news good news and bad news so the bad news is the roof needs to be replaced good news is we have the money to do it the bad news is it's in your pockets <laughs> right? Come on now. <laughs> I am not passing a plate. I, I made a promise. I'm going to keep that promise. I just want you to understand the heart behind it, right? So God has a, a purpose for Lighthouse. God has a purpose for you. He wants us to be generous, and He wants us. God is doing things in this church. You see that we're struggling for parking, we're struggling for space, right? We, we're not in the middle of a building campaign right now. We might be soon, who knows? I'm just saying that you as part of the family, you contribute. There's a guy who left the service, and he complained to his son. He said, man, that was a terrible service. Music was too loud, preaching was too long, nobody said hello to me, complaining on and on and on and on and on. And the son turns to him and says, well, I guess that wasn't bad for a dollar show, was it? What does that mean? <laughs> this, is, this is your family. We're in this together. We all give, right? We all give so that God can keep doing what he's doing. And so we're, I'm committed to it. I believe you're committed to it as well. And it's giving our first fruits. You know, we don't have time to get into, like, details of the uh, first fruits. Do I, is the tithe on the pre-tax or is it post-tax? Do I, do I tithe on my tax return? Do I tithe on my gifts that I get? That's between you and God, right? I'm not going to tell you. And I, I will say, if you find a scripture that clarifies all that, tell me. Please tell me, because I'd like to know too. I'd like to know. But it's a matter of the heart, right? So if you take, you give, you trust, we're all held accountable to our own actions. I'm not going to tell you how to tithe. I'm just telling you you need to tithe <laughs> because, and I will tell you, and anybody else can testify as well, that God is faithful. God is faithful. I drove the same car for 26 years. I'm not really proud of that, but I'm just saying that God took care of us. It was like the Israelites when their shoes didn't wear out, you know, in the 40 years in the day. So I'm driving the same car. I'm like, God, is this what you meant? Uh, but my kids have never gone hungry. We've never not had a roof on our head. They've always had clothes. God has always taken care of us. And it's, it's because I have done my part, but it's because God is faithful. And it's, I believe, because we have been faithful in our tithe. Because just, that's just the way that works. That's the way it works. There's a promise. I'm going to read to you the promise, not that I made, the promise that God made. It's in Malachi 
chapter 3, 8 to 12. Because you need to know this is in there. Verse 8 says, Should people cheat God? Other versions say, Should, should you rob God? Yet you have cheated me or you have robbed me. But you ask, what, what do you mean? What do you mean, God? When did we ever cheat you? He says, you've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating on me. Wow. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it on. Then he says, try it. Put me to the test. I want you to know, this is the only place in Scripture where God says, test me on this. The only place. No other place. We should never test God. We should never jump off a building believing that he's going to catch us. The devil tried that with Jesus. We should never go into a relationship. We should never get, go into a missionary dating relationship trusting that God's going to save them through me because it's testing God in that. You could argue with me on that, but I'm not going to right now. This is the only place God says, test me. He says, if you bring it all that's due me, See if I won't. See if I, see if I won't. He says, your crops will be abundant. This is verse 11. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight. There is so much that's out of our control. We can do some things, but we can't do everything. We can give, we can work, 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 and never have enough. We can try to make ends meet. It'll never meet. But if we are faithful in giving to others, if we are faithful in giving our tithe and offerings, which is above, it's just whatever you want to give on top of that. And God has been giving more than we can contain anyway, right? So why not? I mean, and again, that's between you and God. But if we're faithful in that, God says, see if I won't. Bless you beyond what you can contain. And I'm not trying to preach to you a prosperity gospel. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. God takes care of his people. We've seen it. He's faithful every day. Until the end of time, he'll be faithful. And we should never give expecting that God will just pour out blessing on us. I'm just telling you that this is what happens. It's a It's a principle. Like gravity, if I drop something, it's going to fall to the ground. You do what God said, this is what's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm, I'm closing, believe it or not. I'm wrapping things up here. I want to think back to the rich man, right? The rich young man. He came to Jesus and he threw himself at his feet. And a lot of us, we've We've thrown ourselves at the feet of Jesus. We've come to the altar. We've, we've cried tears. We've been in situations where we said, God, if you just rescue me from this, and I'll give you everything. 
And then there may come a time when, when he says, okay, how about that? I want to challenge you. If you would stand, because it will help me to close faster. What I'm asking you today is to take a moment. Hi. <laughs> you made it. All right. We have, a, we have a visitor. The first altar call respondent right here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Some of y'all need to run down to the altar. <clears throat> I'm asking you to, to check your heart. Just check your heart. Take a moment. Ask the Lord to reveal what is it. Maybe there's nothing, and you can walk out of here jumping for joy, but maybe there's something that you have just been holding on to that, yeah, God, you can have this, 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 and this too, but not this. This is mine. I'm going to keep this because I need this. This is my, it's my comfort. Or for whatever reason, something you're holding on to that you just, you're not ready to give up or give away to somebody else. What is that thing? And I want to challenge you to just ask God. We're going to pray for you today. And if you're watching online, we want to pray for you. You can send us a message. But I believe God wants to search us. Amen? God wants all of us. Amen? And it's every part of each one of us is what I'm saying. Amen. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you are a generous God. That you give us way more than we could ever need or imagine. Lord, I thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit is in this place. I thank you for your word, for your promises. I thank you for the conviction of your Holy Spirit on each one of us. I believe, God, that you have been working in us, that you have been already preparing us before we walk through the doors of this building this morning. And that you want us to respond to you today. And God, I ask that you would help each one of us, Lord. Reveal to us whatever that thing is that we are holding on to, that we are just not willing to give up that you'd help us to loosen our grip a little bit today, that we could lay it at your feet and really say, take all of me, God. All that I have is yours. And we thank you in Jesus' name.